It is a Monday. How are you? Welcome in. Happy Martin Luther King Day. And we got a ton of stuff to talk about today. Our first hour presented by Lasher Home Comfort Systems. Great sooner, great company. And a great day here on a Monday. If you're off and you're listening, thank you very much. We appreciate that. And we are ready to go to work for you. And we get a lot of portal news, Parker Thune. C.J. Colden committed to Oklahoma, the cornerback from Wyoming, over the weekend. In fact, he tagged you in his tweet. Defensive lineman Jeffrey Johnson coming to Oklahoma from Tulane. And uh, cornerback Kenai Walker from Louisville also coming to Oklahoma. And now uh, kind of the waiting game, I guess, on Trey Morrison, the cornerback from North Carolina. Yeah, well, definitely the waiting game on Jackson Dart and Michael Trigg, right? Yeah, A couple no other yeah. really big names that are still out there that Oklahoma could very well land. It's portal combat out here, Mike. It is, man. It's portal season. It seems like it's almost portal season all the time right now in college football. But I mentioned Morrison first because there is a strong indication probably Oklahoma at some point today uh, with Jackson Dart and Michael Trigg, maybe a lean towards Oklahoma. How do you feel about those three? It's really hard to get a reliable gauge on where that battle's at, Mike, because it's pretty clear at this point it's going to be either OU or Ole Miss. But Jackson Dart stays very quiet about those kinds of things. Michael Trigg loved the OU visit, posted about it, threw the horns down in the little hype video that they yeah, did. Yeah, I think at this point Michael Trigg at least – for all appearances, is more pro-OU than Jackson Dart, I think Lane Kiffin is going to make this interesting on the Ole Miss end. Because here's the thing about it, Mike. As I look at this battle for Jackson Dart and Michael Trigg, but (laughs) Jackson Dart is the more important one here. Let's not kid ourselves. As I look at this battle between Oklahoma and Ole Miss for Jackson Dart, I don't understand the fit culturally in Oxford, Mississippi, for a kid like Jackson Dart who's a Mormon from Roy, Utah, you know, like to drop him in Lane Kiffin's program in Oxford, Mississippi. I, I get that as a quarterback, he's very well suited to run that system and he could have a lot of success, but you can say the exact same about former Ole Miss offensive coordinator, Jeff Lebby's system at Oklahoma. And to me, the culture that Oklahoma can offer a guy like Jackson Dart just far trumps that of Ole Miss. You're not talking necessarily about geography. You're talking, it sounds to me, a little bit more about Brent Venables versus Lane Kiffin. Exactly. Culture. Exactly. Well, and I don't want to I don't want to throw around stereotypes when it comes to Lane Kiffin, but you look at a guy like Jackson Dart, Mike, you look at his personality, you look at the way he was raised, you look at what he presumably wants in a football program after getting cast off like leftovers at USC when Lincoln Riley decided to pursue Caleb Williams. Oklahoma is just, and and we hear Brent Venables and his staff preach it all the time, right? Family environment. And it really starts with Bob Stoops, who was preaching that long before anyone else was. But that family environment isn't something that... (laughs) is part and parcel of the Ole Miss experience, right? Like, you never hear never hear anything about what a family it is down there on the Grove, right? It's SEC football. It's, it's the scorch. It's the jungle down there in Oxford. So, again, from a football standpoint, I think it makes a lot of sense for Jackson Dart to team up with Lane Kiffin. From a cultural standpoint, 
I don't know if the two mesh well. Yeah, and I think Jackson Dart would mesh with Oklahoma a lot better. I, I would agree with that, but here I, I think is probably, again, the most important factor. Where does he have the best chance to start? And I think Ole Miss probably wins out there, right, because of Dylan Gabriel's presence at Oklahoma now. I think that's true. However, at that point in time, you're going to see another domino fall because if Ole Miss brings in Jackson Dart, I can almost promise you Luke Altmyer is going to transfer at which point he's going to end up at some other high-end Power 5 institution that's looking for a competitor uh, for the starting quarterback job. And then that school's going to have somebody else transfer. You know, the dominoes keep so falling, So goes the man. chain, They Mike. do. It looks to me right now, Parker, uh, that uh, Chubba Purdy, Brock's younger brother, and you saw you know him thank Scott Frost and the people of Nebraska, and they tweeted out of a picture of their visit to Nebraska. He visited Oklahoma early last week. We saw those pictures as well. It looks to me like uh, Chubba Purdy may just be waiting on Jackson Dart's decision. And if Jackson Dart goes to Ole Miss, then you probably get Chuba Purdy to Oklahoma. Yep. But you're right. The dominoes keep falling, man. That is <laughs> the weird part of this. You know, when one domino falls, the next one goes. And the next thing you know, you've got one of those videos where you've got like 10,000 falling. Right? That's kind of how the transfer portal works, particularly right now when you can do it, you know, pronto. And I feel like we say that we've said this every week for the last month or so on this show, Mike, but at some point this needs to get fixed because this is not a healthy dynamic in college football. Not not for the long term future of college football. And I think they will fix it, hopefully. I don't know who they are, but it may not be the NCAA because I think the NCAA, again, a lot of power has left. Uh, their offices here uh, recently, so we'll have to wait and see. So right now, with the commitments the Sooners got over the weekend, C.J. Colden, the cornerback from Wyoming, Jeffrey Johnson, the D-lineman from uh, Tulane, by the way, who had six tackles against Oklahoma and one for loss uh, in that game, which went down to the wire, remember, in the season opener. Kenai Walker, the cornerback uh, from Louisville, uh, also coming through the portal. You have Dylan Gabriel, uh, quarterback from UCF, Daniel Parker, the uh, – the uh, tight end for Missouri, Joseph uh, Laulu. Again, the defensive lineman, McCade Mattire. The offensive lineman, Ted Roof, the linebacker from Appalachian State. And again, waiting word on Trey Morrison, a cornerback for North Carolina. And we think that's coming down uh, sometime today? I would think so. And you think it's OU? If I had to put money down, yeah, I would say OU. So, what about old mule shoe? Mario Williams is headed to Southern Cal. Uh, the Sooners got some news, by the way. Jackson player from Tulsa going back to his hometown. Remember, he was Tanner Mordecai's uh, high school teammate from there in Waco, Texas. Jackson player going to Baylor. Uh, would have been better if he'd have gone somewhere else and not play for Dave Aranda, but that's the decision that Jackson player made. Drew Sanders going to Arkansas. That was kind of bizarre, wasn't it? Because that looked like an OU-Texas battle. Yeah, that's what we were hearing. For quite a few days, and then all of a sudden, Arkansas appears on the radar out of nowhere, and Sam Pittman closes the deal, which props to Sam Pittman, because he's got some juice over there in Fayetteville Yeah, right he's now. done a nice job. He, he really is has. recruiting really well, both but, via the portal and on the traditional recruiting trail. But, man, Sanders to Arkansas. You didn't see that one coming. And, frankly, I don't know if it – makes as much sense as going to OU or Texas. Well, Deshaun White coming back to OU, 
Uh-huh. And you've got Kobe McKenzie coming in. You have uh, Jaron Kanak coming in. You already have Danny Stutzman, who they think is going to be a superstar. So maybe he looked at that roster and thought, eh, you know what, maybe a little bit better opportunity to play and stand out at Arkansas. All right, the tweet of the weekend. And uh, this is because Latrell McCutcheon, I believe, is going out to visit Muleshoe. He left the University of Oklahoma. Nick Benito tweets out, some of these kids talking down on the coaches all season – now they want to join them at USC? Bunch of clowns. Oh, you don't need them. Was that directed at Latrell? Because I thought that was more directed at Mario, Mario Williams. Well, I think uh, maybe both of them, right? Maybe both. I, I think but it was I, more Mario, maybe. But I Latrell thought Cutchin. the tweet of the weekend, Mike, was Bob Stoops quote-tweeting Nick Benito oh, yeah, with well, just the, the stunned, surprised that emoji. Was, that was pretty good. Yeah, that was pretty good. All right, so uh, instead of the uh, the eyeball emoji now, we're going with the lock emoji. Solid. Yeah. I like it. By the way, Kobe McKenzie was the one that started that, wasn't he? Yeah, I think so. Wow. Look at the young man. How about, by the way, Brent Venables helping these kids carry their stuff into their dorm rooms? I mean, that's a committed guy right there. And then you get Perry on Winfrey saying, man, none of my coaches came to see me at my dorm room. You see, that's the quality of the individual there. Brent Venables versus Muleshoe. Brent Venables, high class, high quality. Muleshoe, low class, low quality. It's simple. I'll give him moderate quality. Moderate, okay. Low class, sure. Moderate quality. He's not a bad football coach. No, he's not a bad football coach. He's just slimy. He's very slimy. All of his games should be broadcast on Nickelodeon. (laughs) And there should be slime all over Lincoln Riley in every cutaway shot. Just he's slimed on Nick. USC signs a deal with Nickelodeon because Lincoln Riley is slimy. Or Muleshoe is slimy. Very. Very, very, very much so. Okay, uh, there he is right there. Sleaze bag. All right, uh, so any other portal news we need to know about? Do we cover it all? <sighs> I'm trying to think here. Uh, uh, OU had a surprise visitor this past weekend, the offensive lineman from TCU, Tyler Guyton. Okay, what about that Travis kind of Dye? When's he coming in? <laughs> At this point, I'm pretty comfortable asserting that Travis Dye is just going to end up at Miami with Mario Cristobal, but we'll yeah, see. That that's can change. Right. I, I don't get the sense that OU is going to be a factor there. Man. It's crazy that this is like school starts tomorrow, Mike, at the University of Oklahoma. School's already been in session for two weeks at some places, and schools are still hemming and hawing over the transfer portal additions that they could bring in. Been a long time since we've hemmed and hawed, right? But Caleb Williams is still doing that. So uh, you were thinking for Caleb, USC, UCLA, and uh, maybe a surprise school? Perhaps. You know, I think there's been some – there's been a little bit of buzz beneath the surface for Wisconsin. Um, He's going the Russell Wilson route. Yeah, well, it could be. I still think this is going to come down to USC and UCLA in the end because – you saw Mario Williams commit to USC, right? That kind of gave you the indication that there's at least a very legitimate chance that Caleb Williams reunites with Muleshoe out in L.A. But at the same time, tell you what, they visited UCLA. That visit went really well. UCLA extended Chip Kelly. I don't know, Mike. If you'd have told me two weeks ago, because it was, I believe, two weeks ago to the day, that Caleb Williams entered the portal. Mm-hmm. 
If you'd have told me two weeks ago that we'd still be sitting here on Monday, January seventeenth, and Caleb Williams wouldn't have picked a destination yet, I'd be like, okay, well, I'm I'm just done with it. We all thought it was coming like within forty eight hours after we got the news that Jackson Dart was in the portal. We thought, all right, it's coming. Just get ready, brace yourself, it's coming, and within the next forty eight hours, and it still hasn't. Air Comfort Solutions text line: Caleb will announce today because today is MLK Day with a video production from Mule Shoe and an I Had a Dream speech. Hmm. Mule shoe. I can't tell if that's sarcastic or not. Because they also say, remember he announced coming to OU on July 4th. Loves the spotlight. Yeah, he does like the spotlight a little bit. But you know what? He's a very bright kid. No doubt about it. And I'm just hoping it's UCLA. UCLA has a better roster than USC right now, right? UCLA now, is where every Sooner fan wants Caleb Williams to play, right? Because they want yeah. to see him stick it to mule shoot. Absolutely. And now, don't get me wrong, I understand USC is the football school. UCLA is still the basketball school. So once mule shoot gets things cranked up out there, they're going to be a factor. Now, again, I think they're going to have the same old problems, lack of physicality. And once uh, they meet some of the better opposition from the SEC, They'll get pushed around in a playoff game. We saw that time and time again. Well, the Georgia game, you know, the Sooners should have won that game. Uh, couldn't get it done. But we've seen it happen one too many times. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we're just underway. Air Comfort Solutions text line available to you, 405-651-3439. That's 405-651-3439. Hit us up on the text line. We'll get to as many as we can. First hour brought to you by Lasher. Home Comfort Systems here on The Ref. Keep it here. We're coming right back. It's going to start hurting tomorrow, ladies and gentlemen. Yes, it's officially Jerry Schmidt Day. Do we have our Schmitty music ready to roll? I think we do. Here we go. Jerry Schmidt taking over tomorrow. I think they should play that and just open up the doors to the uh, weight room with this blaring and the wall shaking. There's going to be pyrotechnics, right? Yes, absolutely. Schmitty has to walk through the doors like that Vince McMahon strut, you know, the, uh, the gif. That'd be nice. Very nice. So... The question is, how many people will hit the portal after they start working out with Schmitty? What's the over <laughs> and under? You know what? At this point, how many guys have hit the portal because of Mule Shoe? Three? Caleb, Mario, Latrell? I don't even know if Latrell. Okay, so Caleb and Mario, the two Williams. Mm-hmm. Those are the two guys that have hit the portal because Mule Shoe left directly. Now, is it a possibility that Schmitty could be the cause of more portal attrition for OU than Mule Shoe? <laughs> Wouldn't that be remarkable? Well, you know what? If they can't hack it with Schmitty, they're not going to be able to hack it in the SEC. So, I, you know, I, I think that uh, it's going to be interesting to see. Because what you heard from all of these guys, whether it's Teddy or Roy Williams or J.D. Runnels, whoever, a lot of the old guys – you know, what? they they almost died going through the workouts, but they appreciated it afterwards because they were tougher than most of the teams they played. They were very physical, and they played championship-level football. 
So we'll see. We'll see. I think it's a great move. I'm excited about it. What do the remember Deshaun White announced he is coming back? Marvin Mims, we're feeling good about, right? We haven't heard anything on the Marvin Mims fronts. No, Marvin Mims is going to stay. Yeah, it, it looks like he is in as well. Here's what Marvin Mims and Deshaun White both said recently about getting ready to go working out with Schmitty. I mean, I've definitely heard stories about him, things he's put players through, and I think it's going to push this program to a new level, definitely, especially the players on this team. It's going to build us to a mental strength that we've never really been to before, I'm pretty sure. But, um, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I hear about all the stories through the years from guys that come back. And obviously, whenever um, the world figured out that he was coming here, hearing all the stories on Twitter still. Um, but I think it's one of those things, like, he he's one of those guys that he's going to be able to um, take this program to another level in that aspect of things. So, you know, probably couldn't have been a, a better hire. Was that Marvin Mims throwing a little shade at Benny Wiley? Maybe, yes. Yeah, that's a... Uh... That mental toughness or whatever. Wait, did whatever did Benny, Benny Wiley had a spin class, right? They got on a Peloton bike, maybe jump some rope. What else did they do? Hopscotch? What? Listen, it's kind of become like urban legend, and I don't know that it's 100% accurate, but I've heard so many people circulate the rumor or the report, whatever you want to call it, that Jerry Schmidt's first words upon walking into Benny Wiley's weight room were, and I'm sanitizing here. Get all this P90X crap out of here. Good for Schmitty. He's a real man. Benny Wiley's a reality star. He was a phony just like Muleshoe. All right? We've identified the phonies on that staff. Muleshoe had phony. Roy Manning, phony. Benny Wiley, phony. Roy Manning couldn't coach his way out of a paper bag. Why was he coaching defensive backs? The only thing he was good at was high videos. Uh, he wasn't all that good at high Well, yeah, I mean, let's, let's not give him oh, any yeah, more credit yeah, than I'm, he deserves I'm for those. I'm with you. I'm sure he's a fine individual, you know, and all that stuff. But come on. This is real manly Oklahoma men's clinic alpha males football we're talking about here, all right? We don't need any fancy lads or whiny little soy boys, okay? You need real men to play in the SEC. I would have categorized those videos as cringe videos, more so I, than you, hype videos. Okay, yeah. I mean, yes. I mean, I agree. So, yes. Well, you know, they were trying to build Speed D, right? How about just building a defense? <laughs> a And look, Alice Grinch did a few things, right? I mean, he got the defense to another level. Still wasn't the level they needed to be at. And they were very inconsistent this year. By the way, Mike, I've been told to pass this on from within the locker room. So we're going to get this out there right now on our show. And it's going to spread across Sooner Nation and become the new mantra. It is no longer Speed D in Norman. It is Freak D. That like is the new freak, moniker. Freak D's a lot scarier, right? Exactly. I'm just saying. And uh, you're going to need a different-looking defensive lineman to play in the SEC, right? And they went and got two of them via the transfer portal and Jonah Laulu and Jeffrey Johnson. I can tell you that much. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I don't know. I just I like what I'm seeing. I'm not sitting here and telling you, yeah, Oklahoma, you know, they're not going to miss a beat next year. But I like what this staff brings to the table. And look, we, we don't know. I mean, there might be, Parker, there could be some seven and fives in the SEC. I, you know, I think that's probably bottom 
level that we're talking about uh, because we don't know what the schedule is going to look like. We think we know what the uh, the quads will look like if they go to the quad system, which I imagine they will. We still don't know when they're going to get there. But I like this staff, the way it is composed right now, in terms of where you're going conference-wise. I, I think this is a staff that's better suited to take the Sooners to the SEC. Well, let's see. They just rounded out their staff with an SEC edition in Jay Valai, mm-hmm. so he knows the territory. And by the way, early returns on him have been outstanding, at least in terms of recruiting and the opinions of the players that he is pursuing. Um, Todd Bates out of Clemson, obviously not technically an SEC guy, but that dude was going toe-to-toe with SEC programs and recruiting some big-time oh, players, yeah, most no notably doubt. Brian Breesey in the class of 2020, and winning those battles. So, impact guy. When you think co- of the assistant coach home run hires, the two that stand out are Jeff Levy and Todd Bates, right? And I think the rest of the staff looks really good, too. But you talk about two absolute hit-em-out-of-the-park hires, those two. You got a two-for-one when you hired Ted Roof because you got his kid. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know how much he plays in 2022, but he's got experience. Okay, so the story for you now as we look at the portal is, uh, you know, you can say awaiting Caleb Williams' decision. No, but I think it's, it's, it's awaiting uh, Jackson Dart's decision, right? Exactly. That's what it's become. Um, it just becomes increasingly clear day by day that Oklahoma has no plans for Caleb Williams to return in 2022. And at this point in time, if he does return in 2022, I'm not sure how well that's met by Sooner Nation. I'm not sure what the public reaction is to the infinitesimal chance of Caleb Williams returning to the Crimson and Cream. At this point in time, they, they appear content to move on with Dylan Gabriel, and if you get Jackson Dart... That presumably is your guy in 2023 because if Dylan Gabriel is as productive as many expect him to be in Jeff Levy's offense at the Mm -hmm. University of Oklahoma, he's going to be NFL bound after a single season. So at that point, you have Dart and Evers. uh, Well, you wouldn't have Chubba Purdy in that circumstance, but you would have Dart and Evers and whoever you sign in the class of 2023, which please, Lord, make it anybody but Arch Manning. I don't know, man. I'm in on art. Hey, here's the thing, Mike. You have to you have to consider my perspective. Well, on your this perspective is you got to follow exactly. And track it. Exactly. I get it. If I that's a recruitment I got to cover in detail for the next year, I'm going to lose my sanity. No, I I hear you. I hear you. Um, so Dylan Gabriel sends out the picture this weekend. He arrived on campus. He's wearing number eights. I'm trying to think of former Sooners who wore number eights. Quarterbacks, I can't think of. Didn't Nate Hibble wear eight? Hibble might have worn number eight. You go ahead and Google him up. I'm thinking of uh, somebody said Troy Eggman. No, he wore that in Dallas. He wore 18, 18 at Oklahoma. At OU, that's right. Uh, some of the other great quarterbacks. Um, obviously, you had uh, uh, Kyler wore number one. Baker wore number six. Uh, what number did Bradford wear? 10? 14. Four, 14, that's right. 14 for Sam Bradford. 18 for Jason White. Wishbone Days, Jack Mildred, number 11, Thomas Lott, number 6, J.C. Watts, number 1. Uh, you know, you think about, uh, was Jamel Holloway? It's before my time, Mike. But uh, hey, that, 4 that, for Jamel Holloway. That number 8 does carry some significance, doesn't it? 
Eighth national championship. The hunt for number eight. There you go. There you go. All right. We got a break right here. Thank you to our friend Tim Lasher. Lasher Home Comfort Systems sponsoring hour number one here on Steelman and Thune. Well afternoon now here on a Monday. Hoping you're having a great Martin Luther King Jr. Day. And uh, keep it right here. We'll get to some text on the Air Comfort Solutions text line. 405-651-3439. And uh, we're coming right back. We'll get to some NFL and some texts next here on The Ref. Okay, we are back, ladies and gentlemen. Good to have you with us again. First hour presented by Lasher Home Comfort Systems. Great Sooner, Tim Lasher, great company, Lasher Home Comfort Systems. Garrick McGee, number eight. Yeah, I was talking uh, in terms of quarterbacks. Yes, Travis Owen, uh, Garrick McGee, number eight. I was thinking that Garrick McGee might have worn that, but I, I wasn't for sure. Sonny Brown, number eight. Alice, Texas for Sonny Brown. Orange Bowl MVP Sonny Brown and uh, Daryl Shepard also wore number eight back in the day. And we did get it confirmed via the Air Comfort Solutions text line that Nate Hibble wore eight, too. Yeah, and uh, our friend Kendall up there in uh, green country sent us a picture again of uh, Nate Hibble. Oh, 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 a little scoop via the Air Comfort Solutions text line. I hadn't seen this come across my Twitter feed yet, but... uh... JT Daniels is hitting the transfer portal, Mike. Really? That mean that Caleb Williams is going to Georgia? Oh boy! Well, let's let's think about what it could mean. It could be one of three things, which vary in terms of likelihood. Number one, Caleb Williams is going to Georgia. I would still say that is unlikely. Okay. Number two. Stetson Bennett is locked in as the starter in 2022, and JT Daniels knows he's not winning that job back. Far more likely, in my opinion. Number three, Stetson Bennett isn't going to be back at Georgia in 2022, but Brock Vandegriff is a budding superstar that JT Daniels doesn't think he can compete with. But that are, is are, by far the most unlikely. But aren't the uh, all, the early returns on Brock Vandegriff that you're hearing is that he's been disappointing yes, so far? Yes, very disappointing. So we'll see. Wouldn't it be funny? Like, wouldn't it be so hilarious to watch Caleb Williams go to Georgia, though? Because is that not a Kevin Durant move, though? It is kind of like, yeah, okay, they won a championship again, but you already had – I don't know how many guys are graduating, but we know that Kirby Smart is recruiting at a very high level. I mean, he's going toe-to-toe with Alabama. He's going toe-to-toe. And he's setting Georgia up to keep it – to make this like Ollie versus Frazier. You know, where LSU came in and, you know, and uh, Auburn and some other teams in the SEC, they, they had their one season and then the things go haywire and they fire a coach or whatever. But Kirby Smart, that program is built, man, to last. So, and that means when the Sooners get in there, let's say Oklahoma gets in there the year after next, which would be, what, the 2024 season or I believe 2023 season actually still. But they would be – you know, in the running for the third-best comp- uh, team in the SEC. Because you don't think Bama's going anywhere until Nick Saban leaves. And uh, Georgia's really built uh, in a great way right now. As Bob, in a great way, as Bob Stoops would say. Let's hit the Air Comfort Solutions text line. See what our listeners are saying. One listener asked, Parker, are you still 70% that we get Jackson Dart? I don't know if I'm quite that confident just by virtue of the fact that he and Michael Trigg took the Ole Miss visit. And... The last visit always holds a bit more significance than the previous ones. 
that's just a general rule as it pertains to recruiting, and the transfer portal is no different. You get so, the last at bat. That's it, usually an advantage. Exactly. So Ole Miss has reason to be optimistic. That said, and we talked about it at the top of the show, culturally I think Oklahoma's way more of a fit for Jackson Dart than Ole Miss is just because you take a kid from Roy, Utah, Mike, and you drop him in the Grove in the heart of SEC country Look, he's going to have success. You know he will. He'll put up numbers, whether that's at Oklahoma or Ole Miss. But Oklahoma's culture just seems way more conducive to the type of personality that Jackson Dart has. Quiet, reserved, very docile type of demeanor. That doesn't that doesn't fit with Ole Miss, you know? Ole Miss is very what's what's the word you would use? Brash? Vociferous? Um, yeah, with, with Lane Kiffin there out there, and their reputation has been, you know, that they'll break the rules and bend the rules. And look, Oklahoma had that reputation for a while as well. And But I get it. I think when you compare the coaching staffs, that's where the cultural change comes in. Although I've got a buddy of mine who graduated from Ole Miss, swears by it. Uh, I bet Oxford is a beautiful place. The Grove looks really cool. They've got great uniforms. Hotty toddy. They do have great uniforms. Do they I'll not, give them oh that. Oh, my gosh. Particularly when they wear the uh, the lighter blue. Those are great. Those are really good. Those are some of my favorite uniforms. And the helmet looks awesome, too. So we'll see. We'll see uh, what it comes down to. All right. Uh, real quick, and we'll get right back to the text line. Uh, NFL over the weekend, the Cowboys uh, shot themselves in the foot like uh, 95 times. Actually, it was 14 penalties, including five pre-snap penalties for Dallas over the weekend. And that bungled um, last play, well, you can talk about the official or whatever, but, man, you're playing Russian roulette when you run a quarterback draw in that situation. And the Cowboys ended up as Christopher Walken. Uh, you know, in that situation. Uh, Tampa Bay dominated the Eagles, although a backdoor cover by Philly. Uh, you had the uh, Chiefs, or it was uh, over-under, I Hold think up. is what it was. I was about to say. Yeah, it was, <laughs> it was over-under. Tampa was favored by 16 points. I didn't realize the spread was that Yeah, big. it was like nine and a half. So it was gotcha, the, gotcha. uh, the over-under. Uh, Chiefs beat the Steelers last game for Big Ben. Uh, and within a 12-minute span in the second and third quarters, Kansas City scored five touchdowns. Bengals beat the Raiders. And the Bills dominated the Patriots. We'll get into more NFL, a little uh, deeper dive a little bit later. But the Cowboys, man, come on. It was so painfully Cowboys. Mike McCarthy. So uh, beautifully Cowboys, Mike. I, tweet, I tweeted this after the game. It was Shakespearean how they lost. Tragically beautiful. Oh, yeah. But that's how the Cowboys with lose. the Dallas Cowboys we have come to know and love. Curse of the King, man. They haven't been the same since Bert Schwitzer was there uh, and got let go. Uh, Cardinals-Rams tonight, 7-15 ESPN-ABC, rounding out Super Wild Card weekend. These two teams split during the regular season meetings, both teams winning on the other's home field. And the Rams are down there starting safeties tonight, so that could be an area that Kyler and Cliff Kingsbury could exploit. DeAndre Hopkins again, that situation, who knows? We'll wait and see. But I do know this, Kyler Murray says he is pumped up to play in the postseason. I think this is as a competitor. This is as big as it gets. I mean, it's the playoffs. Um, you know, this is this is what you dream of. This is what you live for. It's what you play for. The opportunity to go win a Super Bowl. So, I mean, there's no uh, there's no shying away from it. You know, um, it's uh, it, like I said, this is something you dream about as a kid. So to be able to be in this situation now and uh, you know be in it uh, doesn't get much better. 
What do you think of that matchup tonight? It's hard to say because both these teams are kind of a conundrum, Mike. And we talked about this uh, towards the end of last week as well. But there was a time as recently as November where we were touting the Cardinals and Rams as the two best teams in all of football. And then the Cardinals went on that spiral and the Rams lost a couple of really ugly games down the stretch. And they kind of fell off the wagon in both cases. And listen, I'm not convinced the winner of this game tonight gets any further than the divisional round. I'm really not. I... In fact, I, I'll go so far as to Well, they have to go play Tom Brady on the road. Exactly, exactly. So, I think the winner of this game is losing in Tampa Bay next week. So, to me, this game doesn't hold a whole lot of significance. But I think, I think it'll be very telling one way or another with regard to, one, the legacy of Matthew Stafford, and two... Cliff Kingsbury's status as Arizona's head coach. Yeah, because I mean, he's lot, apparently on pretty tenuous footing. There's there. a lot of buzz there that yes, they, which is crazy because he gets him to the postseason, but they just don't win. Yeah, an early exit again. Uh, you know, well, this is it for him, right? Postseason wise, but in uh, Matthew Stafford, zero and three in postseason play, has never won a postseason game, and L.A. brought him in right as the guy that was going to take them to the next level. They went to the Super Bowl in 2018 with Jared Goff at the head. But right. the reason they swapped Jared Goff for Matthew Stafford is because they looked at what Stafford had done, stuck in Detroit for over a decade, and figure, well, we give this guy a better situation, we give him better receivers, we give him a better defense and better coaching, and he can be the one to lead us to the promised land. Now, not saying that doesn't happen down the line. Obviously, it's not all riding on this season for Matthew Stafford and the Rams, but with as much talent as they have on that roster, Mike. This year is as good a chance as they're going to get, especially with things as wide open as they are, and no clear favorite to take home the hardware. Yeah, that defense, again, missing their starting safeties tonight, which could be huge in this matchup, but uh, we'll see if Kyler and the Cardinals can get it done. 7-15 tonight on ESPN ABC. All right, we got a break right here. Uh, Nothing but your texts when we get back, so hit us up, 405-651-3439. Air Comfort Solutions text line. Happy Martin Luther King Day, everybody. I hope you're home relaxing and uh, not having to work today. This isn't work right here. This is pure joy. Talking sports with you, and we'll come back and continue doing just that on The Ref. Keep it here. All right, we're back. Bono and the boys, I will follow. Does that mean we're getting Trey Morrison news? How, how How is that the inference you drew, Mike? I don't know. I thought he uh, might follow the other guys okay, who, okay, who, who okay. committed this weekend. Yeah, yeah, I was I was going more along the lines of uh, Jackson Dart and Michael Trigg or Caleb Williams and Muleshoe. Yeah, so. I got you. I got you. But, but no, it makes sense. Two the, defensive backs, maybe a third mm-hmm. on the way. He just posted his official visit pictures, by the way, Trey Morrison did, and uh, they look sharp. So He's a, uh, you were thinking, no, a decision is coming down on Trey Morrison, the cornerback for North Carolina, today I and probably Oklahoma? Today. I would say it's going to be Oklahoma, and I would say it's going to be today. Hmm, Very interesting. All right, the Air Comfort Solutions text line, always available to you, 405-651-3439. That's 405-651-3439. We still have a bunch to get to. Yes, we do. Okay, one one fan says, or one listener says, Dart doesn't fit the culture at USC either, and he chose it. Does he not fit the culture at USC? Because, I mean, quiet, reserved kid, just makes sense that he would go play in front of no fans, right? 
Maybe with the California liberal lifestyle out there, and you know how they roll out there in California. They ain't serious about anything. It's American. Oh, this is a good one. One listener says, if Caleb goes to Georgia, wouldn't be the first time Muleshoe blew a large halftime lead to Kirby Smart. And there you go. What about that freaking squib kick, by the way? Let's not go there, Mike. I know. Mike, the dumbest squib Mike, kick. you are triggering PTSD flashbacks for Sooner fans everywhere. of special teams. Why? Stupid. One listener asks, I thought we were, we were supposed to have some high school kids in this weekend. The defensive tackle and defensive end from Florida. Mm-hmm. That's next weekend uh, that R. Mason Thomas okay. and Ahmad Moten will be in for their official visits. The thing that worries me right now in that recruitment is that, you know, Miami area guys, naturally, Mario Cristobal just took the job at Miami and offered Moten and Thomas. They're going to take their final official visits to Miami on January 28th. So, again, kind of like we were talking about with Dart and Trigg, always got to pay attention to where they take their final OV. And in this case, it's Miami, given that it's the hometown school. I'm a little bit more apprehensive about where things stand with Thomas and Moten than I was a month ago. Any chance that, let's say, uh, Jackson Dart, we think they're kind of a package deal, right? Jackson Dart and Michael Trigg, roommates. um, Let's say those two end up at Ole Miss. Any chance that Brock Purdy decides, I want to compete against Casey Thompson rather than Dylan Gabriel winds up in Nebraska and the Sooners are left? You know, you've still got Ralph Rucker around. You've got Nick Evers, but he's a freshman. Could they, or would they go back to the portal and keep looking? What do you think would happen I don't in that know, scenario? at that point? In fact, one listener asked, Parker, if Dart picks Ole Miss – would OU and Levy be in play for the Ole Miss freshman, Luke Altmaier? Which, mm-hmm. again, just goes to show you, this is an endless it and is. vicious cycle. Was he a four-star, the the backup at Ole Miss? He was a four-star. And he looked yeah. decent, and I thought, when uh, Matt Corral went down to the bowl game. He is he is more than decent. I really, really like Luke Altmaier. So long-term. he would be more highly regarded than, say, Chubba Purdy. Yes. Yes, decidedly so. Now, more so than Jackson Dart? No. More so than Nick Evers, probably not. Mm-hmm. But that's a guy that, especially just based on the little bit of experience he got as a freshman, his mobility in the pocket, his smooth delivery, his ability to push the ball down the field, that's a guy that you can foresee being a multi-year starter at the Power 5 level. And it's not difficult to envision him playing NFL ball one day. Yeah, but we'll see. It's a never-ending, uh, it's like that old kids movie, the never-ending story. That's the portal. Now, one of our listeners asks about Josh Connerly, the five-star offensive lineman who was in town for an official visit this past weekend. And we've talked about him before on this show. Again, had never visited OU before this weekend. Had never been to the state of Oklahoma. Shows up for an OV with Bill Biedenboe and the crew. And the reality is, I... I would love to have something of a scoop on where that recruitment stands, but Josh Connerly is one of the most like verbally concise. I just there there's no there's no way to get a reliable gauge on what he's thinking because he says so little. So he's like you had go, a great visit, love the coaches. Exactly. If you if you go to our twenty four seven sports homepage right now, or you type in ouinsider.com and you take a look 
at the interview that Josh Connolly did with our 24-7 Sports National Recruiting Editor, Brandon Huffman, about the visit. It is exactly that, Mike. It's like, great visit, love the school, love the coaches. You're like, how how is anyone supposed to know whether he actually likes Oklahoma at this point or mm-hmm. not? So he's not a mystery wrapped in an enigma like Kamar Wheaton was. He just is a man no, of few I would, words. No, I would, I, I would say he is. is I would he say really? he is a mystery wrapped in an enigma like hmm. Kamar Wheaton. Okay, all right. Now, Kamar Wheaton wouldn't have given anybody an interview. Yeah. So I guess that's the distinction you draw between the two is that at least Josh Connerly is willing to say something, but what he says doesn't amount to much. I got you. From what I understood during the recruitment of Kamar Wheaton, you could you could get a hold of Jimmy Hoffa before you could find Kamar Wheaton. <laughs> right? It was like impossible. Uh, what's the uh, what's the urban legend about Jimmy Hoffa that he's buried underneath a football field yeah, somewhere? It used to be Giant Stadium, yes. Okay. Yeah, because the mafia owned the uh, the concrete business there, most of it, and that Jimmy Hoffa was just buried underneath Giant Stadium. Who knows? All right, Riverwind Casino, ladies and gentlemen, on a Monday, what is your game plan? Your game plan is to go out, grab your wild card, keep that with you at all times, take it out to Riverwind, use it today, get some points on your wild card, and use those points of the wild card to get five times the entries for the big drawing, the $80,000 Rocket and Reeling a promotional drawing on Friday night from 6 to 11.30. I've always encouraged you, you know, play with it Monday and Tuesday, your wild card if you can, get the necessary points that you need, and then use the extra entries to your advantage on Friday night out at Riverwind on all the Friday promotional drawings. Uh, right now, again, the one that's underway that is current is the $80,000 Rocket and Reeling promotional drawing, and you can win your share of $80,000 in cash and bonus play. Get out to Riverwind on Friday, have a great meal at Chips and Ales, or at the River Buffet on steak night. You can't go wrong with our friends over at Riverwind Casino. Best games, best promotions, best dining, best bars, best service, best everything at Riverwind. Okay, we'll talk a little NFL coming up. We also have a lot more Sooner stuff to get into and a ton of texts Still to get to off the Air Comfort Solutions text line at 405-651-3439. Mike Steely, Parker Thune here on the home of Sooner fans, the Ref Radio Network. Thank you again to Tim Lasher and uh, Lasher Home Comfort Systems here in the Brown O'Haver Studios on a Martin Luther King Day. Happy Monday, everybody. Happy MLK Day. We got a lot more sports to talk about next hour, so keep it right here on the Ref. Hour number two presented by the Seth Wadley Auto Group in Paul's Valley, X72, for a great deal on a vehicle from the Seth Wadley Auto Group. And uh, oil changes his engines and engines for life on newer used gas or diesel at no additional cost. That's a heck of a deal. All right, uh, coming in off, uh, this is a text that, how do you feel about Twitter uh, direct message questions? Is that an invasion of privacy or is that all right? No, I don't think it's an invasion of privacy. Okay, I mean, uh, I mean if it's, they, kind of, it's kind of weird, you know, that it, it, it's it's like, please look at my message. But that's fine. That's fine. No, I mean, I prefer it rather than somebody tagging you in just yeah. a regular tweet. They, they The worst is when people tweet their questions and tag you in them. It's like, mm-hmm. okay, the whole Twitterverse doesn't need to see this. Right, you can just yeah, yeah, DM yeah. me. 
No, so I, I, I much prefer it's DMs. It's just a little weird sometimes. I'm like, I got a message, a direct message. What the heck is going on? What do you think about Brent Venables or something like that? It's a little bit weird to me. I'm just saying. Okay, speaking of Brent Venables, I got a message from a friend of mine over the weekend who was saying, Steely, everybody is hailing Brent as the next great head coach. What gives you so much confidence that he will be, and who will he remind us of? Well, I mean – He's going to remind you more than anybody else of Bob Stoops because he, you know, was with Bob at Kansas State. He was with Bob at Oklahoma, but he's taken, uh, you know, stuff from Bill Snyder and taken stuff from Dabo Swinney. And, uh, you know, when you think of those three guys, those are three impressive guys, right? Bill Snyder arguably did the greatest coaching job in college football history. I know he didn't win a national championship, but what he did at Kansas State was remarkable. Dabo Clemson used to be known for what? The 19, what was it, the 80 national championship when they beat Nebraska with Homer Jordan and Perry Tuttle and all those guys. But they were known for Clemsoning, having a lot of talent, but never getting where people thought they might, uh, might should be. Dabo changed that. I mean, over the last decade, Clemson has been the second-best program in college football behind Alabama. So you've got that going for you, which is nice. And Bob, obviously, you see what kind of a solid guy and how much he loves the University of Oklahoma based on the solid he did the Sooners, uh, you know, when the the Titanic was uh, perilously headed towards the iceberg and Bob got control of the wheel and steered it away. But uh, I don't know, Parker, what gives you the, uh, the confidence that Brent's just going to be a home run and hit it out of the park kind of high? Well, I think you said it, Mike. It's You look at those that have influenced Brent Venables as a football coach. He's only ever had those three bosses, Bill Snyder, Bob Stoops, Dabo Sweeney. And again, all three of those guys, very well respected and very, very successful. You would probably rank all three among the top – 20 head football coaches at the collegiate level over the last three or four decades. That's how successful they've been or that they were. So I think when you look at what Brent Venables brings to the table in terms of his philosophy, which has been heavily influenced by those three guys, I think it's a refreshing change of pace from the very progressive forward thinking regime that Lincoln Riley had instituted because the harsh reality, Mike, is that as long as Lincoln Riley was head coach in Oklahoma, there was never going to be an elite defense in Norman. There just wasn't. It doesn't matter who he brought in as a coordinator, and not to say Alex Grinch wasn't doing a good job, but there's only so much you can do defensively when your offense is structured the way that Lincoln Riley's is. Right? There's a reason why you never see a program have a stunningly high-efficiency offense and a dominant defense, right? Because there is a symbiotic relationship between those two units, and one's time on the field affects the other's time on the field, right? And so you have to strike a delicate balance between offensive firepower and the ability to play lockdown defense. Very rarely do you see a program that masters both in the same year, and Alabama's probably the only program mm-hmm. that has truly done it. And Clemson had it going for a couple of years when Trevor Lawrence was at the helm. But Mm -hmm. for the most part, it's something you don't see across college football. And as Oklahoma prepares to transition to the SEC, look, I know maybe three years ago it kind of seemed that the SEC was heading in the direction of the spread and that the likes of Tua Tungvaloa and Joe Burrow were going to revolutionize the way that the game was going to 
be played in that conference. But things have very much regressed to the mean. You've seen the pendulum swing back, and it's become clear that defense is still going to win championships, particularly in the Southeastern Conference. And so if you have to have your pick between Oklahoma playing dominant defense and scoring 45, 50 points per game on offense, if you're looking for a program that's going to compete for a national title year in and year out, you probably want them to be playing better defense than they're playing offense, wouldn't you imagine? Yeah, yes. I mean, you still have to have a really good offense. And you think about, for instance, the uh, the '85 championship team. And yes, Jamel Holloway was great. And they had uh, they had you know Keith Jackson. They had good running backs. All of that stuff. But it was the defense. I mean, Tony Casillas up front, Kevin Murphy, Daryl Reed, Brian Bosworth, Paul Miliazzo. Uh, you know, Ricky Dixon, Sonny Brown. I mean, they were loaded. And then, uh, you know, they had Dante Jones coming in, also a linebacker when he had to uh, step up. You know, he was able to do that and had a, a nice NFL career. So, yes, I think, you know, the offense is sexy, but the defense is more of a uh, – a long-term situation. Exactly. Yeah. Offense is sexy, but defense still wins championships. Look no further, Mike, than the Georgia Bulldogs, who just mm-hmm. dethroned Alabama. How? With dominant defense and a pick six to seal it. Offense is like going out with a Kardashian, all right? Um, and Are you subtweeting Pete Davidson here? Or no, what? I don't know what I'm talking about. Offense is like dating uh, the Kardashians, maybe. I don't know. Who's somebody who's really flashy? I, the Kardashians, they're all about look at me, look at me, look at me all the time. And uh, defense is like being uh, with Sandra Bullock. I mean, she's Ugh, kind Sandra of the Bullock's all, a stud. The all-American type, a right? star. Or Jennifer Garner or somebody like that who's going to be reliable and not a freaking Kardashian that's not going to win you a championship. By the way, the other reason I'm so confident that Brent Venables is going to be a home run hire, Mike, is go look at his resume. And I'm not talking about his resume in terms of what he's accomplished as far as the national championships his teams have played in or won. Go look year by year at where his defenses have ranked statistically in terms of scoring and yards allowed, and all of that. Almost without exception, Mike, Brent Venables has a top 20 defense in college football every single year. And Mm. in fact, more often than not, over the past decade or so during his tenure at Clemson, he's got a top five defense. Yeah, and even the defense this year was easily the strength of that football team. No doubt about it. It was the offense that struggled. All right. One guy who's been bought in uh, on Brent since he landed at Max Westheimer Airport is uh, Skip Bayless. This is a different animal that we just signed away from Clemson. Finally, I have some defense. I will have the most legit defense I've had since Brian Bosworth. (laughs) Going back to the Selman brothers. This man is energy personified. Mm -hmm. What I never liked about stinking Lincoln was (laughs) he was just so low-key. Brent Venables is full of energy and passion and fire in ways I've never seen a coach have energy, passion, and fire, and it will translate into recruiting. There you go. Skip's OU homerism really he, coming out lately. Oh, Skip you don't see dead. it often. But I mean, I, how good is Shannon Sharp's laugh, by the way? It's pretty good. Shannon Sharp is a national treasure. Uh, so should we build the Venable statue already? Just start 
uh, get the sculptor, call him now and say, let's get to work. Should it be like that pose he did in the tweet when he was on the airplane, get ready, Sooner Nation, you know, we come in and whatever? What uh, should it be? Uh, I'm not I'm not ready to build the statue yet. Let's give it a few years before we start talking about all that. But if anything, the Bob Stoop statue needs to be made larger. <laughs> That's true. Like We said it should be like the Colossus of Rhodes, which was one of the uh, seven wonders of the ancient world. Right. And it should just straddle I-35 and you're coming into Norman. Right. And it's going to be like 60. No, it's going to be like 100 feet high. It's going to need to be higher than that if it's going to straddle I-35. Okay. That's going to have to be a really, really tall statue. All right. Just thinking about dimensional geometry here. Yeah, exactly. 500 feet. Okay. By the way, the Bob Stoop statue, one of the greatest, uh, probably one of my favorite moments in Sooner history is when the Bob Stoop statue was traveling down I-35. And uh, just thinking about, you know, the dude who was driving that. And was it Nate Fakin who took the picture? I can't remember where it came out. I don't remember. But it was in the back of the truck. And you know it was supposed to be like wrapped up in something but and can you imagine the fit that oh my god did you see the bob statues all over social media and they're like what i wonder what the dude driving the truck what the reception was like when he got to his final destination in norman you know pulled in hey guys you know it's not like you're celebrating winning the daytona 500 there in the pit and then driving into the winter circle it was probably they're probably running like no the stoop statue the early revelation that the stoop statue was coming was good one listener says via the text line it's simple reminable staff is the best since the national championship year in 2000 it's pretty good. It's pretty good. Um, I like this one, too. Another listener says, I heard a coach say, defense travels on the road. Can't always say the same about offense. And look, none of this is to say the Sooners are going to struggle to score, because they're not. Jeff Levy and Dylan Gabriel are going to have that offense cooking. Now, again, it's not going to be the record-smashing offenses that we saw in the Baker Mayfield and Kyler Murray days, but it doesn't have to be. Again, Georgia just won the national title with Stetson Bennett Mm -hmm. at quarterback, a former walk-on. Alabama won the national title the year before that with Mac Jones, who is very aptly named Mac because, as I've stated many times, He should have been playing in the MAC for my money. He turned out to be better than I expected him to be. But still, Mac Jones was not a guy that was about to elevate a team to a national championship of his own accord. You go back to LSU in 2019, that's kind of the outlier in recent years because that offense was just so overpowering. And the defense was good enough, but that that team was just a buzzsaw. Mm -hmm. They weren't going to be stopped. Clemson won a national title in 2018 with a freshman at quarterback. And it was because Brent Venables and his defense allowed 16 points from Tua Tungvaloa and Alabama in the national title game. 2017, Alabama won, playing two quarterbacks. They benched their quarterback at halftime in the national championship game. They didn't win because Tua Tungvaloa willed them to victory. And he made a couple real nice throws down the stretch, none better than the title-winning throw in overtime to Devontae Smith. But that win wasn't on the shoulders of Tua Tungvaloa. That's where his legend was born. 
but it had a lot more to do with Alabama's defense. I believe pitching a shutout in the second half, if I recall correctly. Yeah, Georgia got out to the big lead, so yes. I, I think it's going to be a nice balance. And again, I don't know, what would Alex Grinch's final grade be? C? I'll give him a little bit better than that. B minus. Just yeah, because. Now, there so- are no minuses or pluses, either B or C. Okay, I'll give him I'll give him a C. There you go. We don't grade on a curb here. Like I said, there were moments, but this year, uh, and we know because Muleshoe had one foot out the door and was lying to everybody, uh, that they were very inconsistent. And uh, I, I think their defensive backfield coaches are going to be better, in my opinion, than what they have been. All right, we'll take a break right here. Thank you to the Seth Wadley Auto Group in Paul's Valley. Exit 72 for a great deal on a car or truck. Here with you on a Martin Luther King Jr. Day, and a happy Monday to everybody. We're going to come back. The Dallas Cowboys. I like the way you put it, a Greek tragedy, a Shakespearean tragedy, whatever kind of tragedy you want to call it. It was tragic yesterday in Dallas. We'll get to it next. Ah, nice. Well done, sir. And you can bring me a little Waylon Jennings uh, bump backs about any time. I'm not a big country guy. I'm more of an old school country guy. I don't like the fake country guys out there now. There are a lot of them. Waylon, no, yes. Waylon, okay, Willie, okay. Johnny Cash. You got to give me an example. Who's a fake country guy? Uh, I don't know. Jason Aldean or somebody maybe. Um, okay, I, I am by no means a country aficionado, so I was just yeah. I wanted some clarification. Well, there. and uh, hey, we actually uh, road tripped one time to Lukenbach, Texas, and Lukenbach, Texas, uh, you get to it on a dirt road, and it's the only so-called city that I ever had to pay a cover charge to get into. Lukenbach, Texas. Really? Yes. That's bizarre. You heard the song. Can we play Lukenbach real quick? Can you grab that? Luke and Luke Texas. Yes. That's a song? Yes. Okay. I L- will search for it. L-U-C-K-E-N-B-A-C-H. Luke and Bach, Texas. That's another Wayland song. The only two things in life that make it worth living. Guitars, tune good, firm, feeling women. Here we go. All right. It's coming. Luke and Bach. Where are you headed, Waylon? I love that song. Yeah, so we road trip to Lukenbach. And uh, first of all, we've got the GPS, Google Maps out and everything. It's like, where is this place? It's like, it doesn't show a road. It showed that we were right there. And it's like, wait a minute. Do we have to go down this dirt road? And we, like, turn down this dirt road. And then there's a dude that's like John Candy in vacation. Sorry, folks, park's closed, you know. I'm like, we just traveled like five and a half hours to get to Lukenbach. What is going on? Well, the the bikers weekend. It's the bikers weekend or something like that. So there were a lot of motorcycles out there. And I'm like, man, we just drove over five hours to get here. We played the song like over and over once, twice, every hour. We wanted to come to Lukenbach. Get back to the basics. And 
The guy said, all right, I'll let you in, but you're going to have to pay a cover charge. So we drove down, parked, and we paid him like eight bucks to get in, and they gave us one of those bands, you know, and there we were in Luckenbach, which had a general store, a dance hall, and one house, and that was it in lovely Luckenbach, Texas. Only one house? Yeah, there was like one residential little old-school-looking house. There was like a bar-slash-general store, general store in the front, little tiny bar about as big as this studio in the back, and then like a a dance hall, a medium-sized dance hall, and that was it. So, like I said, I never thought I'd have to pay a cover charge to get into an actual city or a town or whatever it is, but I did in Lukenbach, Texas, so just saying. Okay, uh, so let's talk about the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, yesterday, uh, the Dallas radio call with Brad Sham and Babe Laufenberg on the ill-fated play that sealed it for the Cowboys when they ran out of time sounded like this. Prescott in the gun, runs up the middle to the 30, to the 25 and slides. 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, one, did he spike it in time? Didn't get it spiked in time. They haven't They haven't said anything official. The back judge, the man deepest away from the ball, he's got the clock. He's keeping track of the clock. Scoreboard so, clock is running at zero. Yeah, so he would be the one to determine where the clock was. Now, again, this could... That's the end of the game. Oh, wow. There you go. <laughs> That's it. Goodbye. Wow. Goodbye, everybody. That was pretty abrupt. So what did you think of the Cowboys calling that play? And the explanation is, you know, would you rather throw the Hail Mary from uh, almost the 50-yard line or like the 23-yard line and run some, you know, run some uh, routes to the end zone? I get it. But, man, you were playing Russian roulette there. And guess that's what? The thing you, you got is, the bullet. That's the thing. I actually like the play call. I do. Because – it came as a surprise, and it got them some good yardage, right? Oh, yeah. yeah. It completely took the defense by surprise, and hey, if you can get some cheap yards there to set yourself up with a better shot at the end zone, by all means do so. Thing is, you got to have everybody on that field, all 11 players, on the exact same page as to what's going on and what needs to happen immediately after you go down. What happens is Dak Prescott needs to hand the ball to the referee so he can spot it, and you need to have everybody in position ready to clock the ball. And that didn't happen. Dak maybe should have gone into his slide a few yards earlier, and the official bumps into the Cowboys' offensive line, and the next thing you know, it's game over, man. Game over, man. Well, and game that's over. the thing, too, is Dak gave the ball to his center. Yeah, he did. Right, right, right. You can't yeah. do that. you no, got to give can't. the ball to the official because yep. he's got to touch it. He's got to touch it. He's got to spot it before you can run another play. And if you do that – then maybe you get the spike off in time and you have a shot. Well, and the Cowboys, again, typical Cowboys, the most penalized team in the league. 14 penalties yesterday. 14 penalties. Guess what? They had three that were declined as well, and they had five of those 14 pre-snap penalties. Two of the biggest penalties in the game, one by Neville Gallimore, hands to the face, mm-hmm. uh, and he apologized on Twitter, actually, after the game. And the other one was uh, with the 49ers and Trent Williams, who may be the best offensive lineman in football, probably is, with Creed Humphrey number two, maybe. But, you know, when the uh, the 49ers were running the quarterback sneak, right? Mm-hmm. There were some strange coaching decisions in that game. And that's my thing, too, right, is that – and Dak did all that complaining after the game about how the refs screwed him over there at the end. 
first off, again, if there is just better awareness among the 11 players on the field as to what's happening over those last 14 seconds, you get the playoff regardless. Secondly, that game wasn't won or lost when the clock ran out before Dak could spike the ball. That game was lost long, long before the Cowboys had that last-ditch effort of a drive because – and it's kind of funny, right, because the Cowboys got trounced for 50 minutes of football, and they could have just lost like 37-7, to and nobody would have batted an eye. It would have been a funny joke on Twitter for a couple days, but they insisted on losing in the most excruciating fashion possible, which is just so Cowboys. No doubt. Here is uh, Mike McCarthy on uh, the Cowboys having too many self-inflicted wounds. You know, offensively, we really didn't get into a rhythm. You know, I I thought the... You know the penalties were were kind of productive. You know, you, you know as far as field position on the kickoff return, and then you know a couple of big plays came back. I, I thought our guys by halftime we were we were settled into the game, um, and give San Francisco credit. Um, you know they you know they overcame some things you know during the course of the game. But yeah, I mean it's uh, you know we felt strongly this game was going to come down to to key situations at the end. Um, you know it's it's disappointing disappointed we you know didn't get a shot there. At the end of the game, but yeah, we we were herky jerky, um, but I, I can't you know say enough how proud I am of our guys to just to continue to battle and and there was really no blink on the sidelines. There you go. What is Mike McCarthy's future in Dallas, Mike? Because I'll tell you what it should be is he should be walking into Jerry Jones' office today and Jerry Jones saying this: "You're fired." So you're over it. You think yes. Mike McCarthy should be done in Dallas? I'm not even a Cowboys fan. It's, people tend to think like I'm some Cowboys fan. I'm a Cleveland fan. I, I, I switch allegiances in the NFL. I do because I just, I've never had a team. And the Cowboys drove me crazy. The only time I was a Cowboys fan was when Switzer was there, and that's it. Because I used to hate the fact that the Cowboys were on the tube every weekend when I wanted to see another game. So, but. Yeah, I, I don't know. And it's going to be interesting to see what happens with the two coordinators in Dallas, uh, Kellen Moore on offense, Dan Quinn on defense, and how hotly they are pursued by other organizations. Because, you know, Jerry Jones is high on both of those guys. And if he feels like he has to keep Kellen Moore or Dan Quinn by – making them a head coach, then Mike McCarthy might be jettisoned. I don't know. We'll I see. think Dan Quinn is a lot more likely to get looks as a head coach than Kellen Moore. Just Kellen because Moore's Kellen Moore is, what, 32 well, years old? He still looks 12, too, right? Pretty much. I don't even know if he's 32. He's so young. Mm-hmm. And he's done a good job, don't get me wrong. But, yeah. gosh, you're you're really rolling the dice if you hire a head coach that early on in his career because it can go one of two ways, right? It can go the uh, Sean McVay and or Zach Taylor route Mm. or it can go the Josh McDaniels route. Or the old Lane Kiffin route way back in the day with the Raiders, right? Long, long time ago now. I don't know. I'm conflicted as to what the Cowboys do from here because what you don't want to do is make a change because you feel like you have to. That's what bad organizations Mm. mired in – mediocrity and desperation do and I don't think the Cowboys are at that point right they they've had two outstanding seasons under Mike McCarthy and so I don't think you move on from him because of this collapse in the postseason but man there's got to be some change made 
And I don't know what that change is. I don't know what you fix. I don't think it's fixed by firing your head coach. Yeah. Well, we'll see. We'll see what's going to happen. Uh, 11th consecutive playoff appearance for the Cowboys when they fail to reach the uh, the NFC Championship game. Wow. Hard to believe. And uh, you know what? They fired Barry Switzer. And that's it's the curse of the king is what it is. It's the curse of the king. All right, we'll break right here. Thank you, Seth Wadley Auto Group in Paul's Valley. Oil changes, engines for life on newer used gas or diesel at no additional cost. Exit 72, Paul's Valley. Hit that exit, you'll get a great deal in a car or a truck. All right, let's come back sooner basketball, and uh, we'll also get some, some more texts on the Air Comfort Solutions text line. All that coming up next. Oh, yeah. Hey, Porter, the Sooners, man, what happened at TCU? It was not a pretty game at all. 59-58, TCU wins in OT, and uh, Oklahoma, you know, took it to overtime, which, uh, you know, was uh, – they had their, their, their chances. What do they have the ball with? 16 seconds left to win the game, and uh, it wasn't the best look by Elijah Hart. No, it was not. He you should wanna, have gotten rid of that ball. Yeah, or you want to drive it and try and get fouled, and uh, the Sooners shot 27% from three. They also had 20 turnovers. Uh, to 12 assists in the game. TCU wasn't a whole lot better. They Oklahoma shot 40% of the field. TCU 44-25 from three. They also turned it over 19 times. So really an ugly game. But TCU wins 59-58 over the Sooners. Charles Amanda Jr., who is the son of uh, Charles Amanda Sr., who was on UCLA's 95 championship team, hit the big three in overtime. So here's what Oklahoma has coming up. Two big games this week, tomorrow night. Kansas up to number seven in the country. 6 o'clock on ESPN, and then Baylor, which is an ESPN Plus game, by the way, 2 o'clock Saturday. Baylor, despite losing twice, uh, you know, on their home floor this week, they, and that, what about, what a win for Oklahoma State, by the way, and they really controlled that game from start to finish. Baylor made a late run, but the Cowboys, Bryce Thompson scored the final six points of the game. Great win for Oklahoma State, 61-54, but the Sooners have KU at home, then Baylor at home, then they go to West Virginia, Morgantown, not an easy place to win, obviously, and then after that, the Big 12 SEC Challenge, they play at Auburn now, who is the number two team in the country. It is not a good time for the Sooners to be playing bad basketball, Mike. No. And that's what they played this week. They played bad basketball. I mean, you could go on a four-game losing streak here real quick and Ooh. be at 12-9. and nine. Ooh. Ooh, that's not good. I mean, uh, think about it. I, I think the... You know, the problem, Baylor's in a foul mood, or maybe Baylor's just not as good as we thought they were, but they're number five in the country. Kansas, the Sooners, you know, have a pretty good track record of playing well and beating Kansas and Norman. We'll see if they can get it done tomorrow night. Look, I think this team is very well coached, but I think they're limited talent-wise. They have some good basketball players, so they got to play together, execute, do all those little things to win a bunch of games. Their margin for error is very quickly disappearing, yeah. too, because what are they, 12 and 7 right now? Is that the record? For uh, Oklahoma? 12 and 5. 12 and 5. Okay, yeah. 12 and 5. So let's say, let's say the cutoff, the threshold is 20 wins. You need 20 wins to ensure that you are in the NCAA tournament. 
Yeah, I don't think so, they're going to get there. I think they're going to get to 18 or maybe 19. Let's look at this schedule, and let's assume they win one game in the Big 12 championship. So they need 19 wins in the regular season. That's mm-hmm. what we'll say. Seven more. Okay, yeah. Uh, I don't like them to beat Kansas tomorrow at this point in time. I don't know how you can based on how they just played. Uh, I don't like them to beat Baylor. So let's say they're sitting at 12-7. and seven. We'll give them wins. Looking at the rest of the schedule, we'll say they beat West Virginia. They get revenge on TCU. They beat Oklahoma State, so that's 15 wins. In Stillwater. Okay. They get Texas on their home floor. What about Tech on their home floor? Tech on their home floor, I don't know. We'll say, we'll give them a split. We'll All give right. them a split. Okay. So that gets you to 17 wins. Man, at this point, you'd imagine they beat Kansas State in the final game of the regular season. So you either have to sweep West Virginia or Oklahoma State. That's what it hinges on to me. You got to sweep one of those two teams. I do think even at seven and eleven in the conference, as good as it is in the Big Twelve, that you still get a shot to get in. You do, you know, because you'll of where have a they lot of in the net ranking and everything. But and I think eight and ten, you would get in. I really do. But man, like I said, there aren't any gimmies, and we're thinking, well, maybe Kansas State's a gimme. Well, I just beat Tech over the weekend, right? Uh, 6251, and the Sooners have uh, an issue in Manhattan. It seems like they never really play uh, that well in Manhattan, Kansas. So it's uh, it's going to be a tough road. Like I said, in in your next four games, you play three teams in the top seven in the country. Number seven Kansas tomorrow night. Number five Baylor Saturday, both at home, and then you go to Auburn for the Big Twelve SEC Challenge. Uh, coming up on uh, Saturday, January 29th. I think you got to pull an upset out of one of those three. And I don't know which one it is. I just think, you know, you have reasonably decent odds that out of those three games, you come out with a win. I'm thinking the most, I think tomorrow night would be my call. Uh, just their track record against Kansas is not bad at home. And I think Baylor, again, I... Look, I still think Baylor is a lot better. Man, that, that's one of the most shocking uh, losses of the year was Oklahoma State going in there with Bryce Thompson leading the way and beating down Baylor 61-54. to And they had him down, I think it was 18 points at one time. Baylor drew uh, – Baylor was down – no, it was 17, I believe. And Baylor got with uh, within one with just under two minutes remaining. And you're thinking, all right, here we go. Baylor's going to win this. They're at home. And they never scored again. And Bryce Thompson scored the last six points of the game. So a first-ever road win for the Cowboys over an AP number one team. Pretty impressive. To think that the number one team in the country just lost two games in the same week on their home floor, mm-hmm. just give you it just gives you a sense of what the landscape of college basketball looks like right now. It's chaos. We don't know who's good and who's not. I would have told you a week ago, Mike, that Baylor was the best team in the country, and I'm pretty sure I did tell you this. They were the best team in the country by a long shot. Well, not anymore. So now you have Gonzaga 1, Auburn 2, Arizona 3, Purdue number 4, Baylor drops to number 5, Duke 6, Kansas 7, Wisconsin 8, UCLA number 9, number 9, number 9, and the Houston Cougars who won a hard-fought game at Tulsa over the weekend at number 10 in the country. So there you go. Yeah, that was was some pretty ugly basketball on Saturday. And look, Porter Moser is going to get better players in his system eventually. I mean, Oklahoma doesn't have a go-to guy, right? Who is Oklahoma's go-to guy? Oh, it's Tanner Groves. If, if Tanner you had to Groves, pick somebody. I mean, but Mo Gibson or Elijah Harkless, maybe one of those three. I would probably go, yeah, Tanner Groves, number one. But 
there's not a guy out there that's, you know, and I know Austin Reeves always didn't get it done last year down to the end of the season, but he was a guy who could create his own shots. Um, and Porter will get, like I said, I think they've got some good players. I'm not trying to dog these guys. Uh, and you've got some good, you know, Bijan Cortez has shown flashes, obviously. The game against Iowa State was amazing. I like C.J. Nolan. I like uh, what some of the young guys have done. But he's got to get a little more talent in his system because I, I definitely think he can coach him up. So tomorrow night for the Sooner, 6 o'clock, OU Kansas on ESPN. I need to see a lot more Bijan Cortez, if I'm being honest with you, Mike. That guy's arguably been the most stable member of Oklahoma's entire basketball team this it season. It seems like Porter Moser, if he's getting angry at a player, it's maybe Jordan Goldwire, number one on that list. Uh-huh. You know, uh-huh. it's like when he, when he takes Can a bad confirm. shot, when he takes a bad shot, he's on the bench. So, anyway, uh, so the Sooners again at Kansas tomorrow night, 6 o'clock. Saturday against Baylor, 7 o'clock. And then um, Oklahoma State, by the way, will play TCU on Wednesday night at home. And then they will go to Texas coming up on Saturday. And the Oklahoma City Thunder lost to Cleveland. Hello, Cleveland. 107-102 last night. Tonight's OKC on the road taking on the Dallas Mavericks. 7.30 tip there. Wednesday night they go to San Antonio for the Texas two-step on uh, – uh, you know, at San Antonio at 7.30. Friday, they go to Charlotte for an 8 o'clock tip against the Hornets, and then Saturday back at Cleveland at 7 o'clock. So, again, Oklahoma City with the fourth-worst fourth record in the league behind Orlando, Detroit, Houston, then it's Oklahoma City. Uh, so, you need to, you know, you need to tank a little bit better if you want to get one of those top three. I mean, Jabari Smith, Chet Holmgren, or Paolo Boncero, you know. So, we'll I'd, see. I've watched a lot more of Paolo Boncero over the last couple of weeks, Mike. My goodness, that dude's a monster. That's the number one overall pick in my eyes. And I don't know what the ideal – I don't know what the team with the number one pick is going to be looking for, obviously. It might be a legit big like Chet Holmgren. But, man, I think I think Paolo Boncaro is pretty obviously the best player in college mm-hmm. basketball. Well, I, I think that Chet Holmgren, obviously that size and his skill set, very impressive. But, man, that dude is skinny. He makes, like, Poku look like Arnold, Arnold Schwarzenegger. I, I know. Mean, yeah, well, put 30 pounds on, and Chet Holmgren is the best player in college basketball. But mm-hmm. right now, I'd, I'd have a hard time taking that dude number one overall. I'd put him on some good stuff, a steady uh, Twinkies and Zingers diet. There you go. There you go. Then, then, you know, it's, is it, it the uh, the Raspberry Zingers? That's the uh, Steely standby. Uh, the Raspberry Zingers. I haven't put them in the rotation for a while, but they'll be back. They're okay. on the. They're like on the thirty day disabled list right now, and then they're coming <laughs> back. All right, we're going to break right here. Thank you, Seth Wadley Auto Group in Paul's Valley, our sponsor for hour number two. Back to your texts when we get back. Air Comfort Solutions text line four zero five six five one thirty four thirty nine. Update some sooner news. And get a few more texts in when we get back. Stay with us here on The Ref. Okay, back with you on uh, The Ref, Monday edition. Steel Man and Thum here on the home of uh, Sooner fans. And, uh, by the way, Jenny Baranchek's OU women's team, number 14 this week. Playing some really good basketball. Who would have imagined, Mike, that the women's team would be outperforming the men's team in the 2021 season? Pretty because impressive. For a first-year head coach, and uh, I think that team finished 12-12 and last year in Sherry Cole's final year at the helm. Man, they are on a tear. 
Yeah, fun to watch. And uh, Jenny Baranchek doing a great job as the uh, first-year ho- uh, coach of the OU women. All right, Air Comfort Solutions text line, 405-651-3439. That is 405-651-3439. What do we have? Let's hit it. Porter needs to run five in, five out to keep it fresh. I don't know if you got five guys you can do that with, or ten guys, I suppose, that you can do that with. Because, I mean, who's your who's your backup big man? It's Rick Asanza, right? Do you want Rick Asanza getting the same run that Tanner Groves is getting? Probably mm. not. So, like, in theory, it's a great idea. And if you had the wherewithal and you had the resources, you had the personnel to do it, sure, I'm not convinced OU does. Worked for Dean Smith back in the day, but, of course, you had a bunch of McDonald's All-Americans uh, on the second unit, too, pretty much. So, yeah, it's 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 it sounds good in theory, but I I don't know, again, like you said, you also, uh, I don't know, you just have to be a little more selective with that stuff at times. By the way, update on the Caleb Williams situation. One listener says, I saw Carl and Caleb Williams at Malnati's Pizza in Chicago having lunch with Jimmy Hoffa. Oh, so. well, there you go. What about Abe Froman, the Sausage King of Chicago? Was he there too? <laughs> oh, I... The Air Comfort Solutions sex line is having so much fun with this Caleb saga. I, I think they're just I fed up. They're it. like, you know what? They're just finally like, all right, get it over with already. Just get it over with. So uh, nothing yet on Trey Morrison. Uh, uh, yet. You expect Emphasis that on the yet. By the end of the day? Yes. Trey Morrison, the cornerback from North Carolina, committing to Oklahoma by what, 5 o'clock? I, I don't know. I'm not going to put a deadline on it, but I expect that to pop at some point today. Uh, by the way, very good point going back to the discussion we were having about uh, whether you want an offense first or a defense first team in Norman. One of our listeners points out that every starter on the 2017 offense is playing in the NFL – the reason OU didn't win a national championship that year was because of the terrible defense. Well, and you think about uh, the 71 Oklahoma team was unbelievable. I, I still think they may hold the record for most rushing yards, you know, for a season or average per game. Uh, Greg Pruitt averaged like 11 yards a carry or something something ridiculous like that. But they weren't quite enough good good enough defensively. You know, they were just short. And then – you know, then the the entire Selman brothers came aboard, and you had, you know, Rod Sheld and some of that. And you think about the 74-75 teams, great players like the, the late Jimbo Elrod at defensive end also. Uh, they had some studs. They're defensive backs. But they, they were very explosive offensively again those years too, but they were also really, really good on defense. You've got the 2000 National Championship game. Oklahoma didn't win that with offense. They really shut Florida State out. If it weren't for the bad snap on the punt, they would have. Um, but, you know, the Sooners, and I know Josh Heupel was a little bit banged up uh, towards the end of the season. But, again, they won a national championship game by scoring 13 points. By the way, did we get a scoregami out of that? Is 13 to 2? Was that the first time? I that- don't know. Probably. <laughs> it my guess the reason. Is, like, you think about national championship games in years gone by, that's the most bizarre score of It any is. Of them. For a national championship game, it might have been a scoregami, yeah. Oh, it's definitely a scoregami for national championship games. But uh, no, another thought via the Air Comfort Solutions text line. Every time we get a portal or recruit guy, I always imagine if it will sound good when Jim Miller says it over the PA. We got some great names coming in. And... Steely and Thune at noon is the highlight of my workday. You guys are the real deal. 
Well, thank you. We appreciate that very much. Having a great time here every day and uh, just loving it. All right, so over the weekend, uh, C.J. Colden, the uh, cornerback from Wyoming, for Wy- from Wyoming, committed Wait, to Oklahoma. You, Wyoming? What did I say? I, Wyoming? You, you were stuck somewhere between Wyoming and Miami. Yeah, Wyoming. <laughs> C.J. Colden uh, commits to Oklahoma. Jeffrey Johnson, the defensive lineman from Tulane, committed to Oklahoma. Uh, Connie Walker, or Kanai Walker, the uh, defensive back from Louisville. It is Kanai. That yeah, is confirmed. Committed yep. uh, to uh, Oklahoma also. And now Trey Morrison, uh, waiting on that word. And again, that one, according to Parker, should come down sometime uh, today. And then you wait. You're Obviously, people are waiting on the uh, Jackson Dart Michael Trigg domino to fall because once that domino falls, a lot more could be falling. That's true. And at that point, I think we finally have some clarity as to what Oklahoma's quarterback room looks like in 2022, whether that includes Dart or not. Yeah. But All right. Yeah, it's, you, it's, fair, it's a fairly certain assumption that it's not going to include Caleb Williams. You get the feeling that there's either going to be a quarterback competition between uh, Dylan Gabriel and Jackson Dart, or that Dylan Gabriel will be the starter backed up by Brock Purdy or uh, Chubba Purdy. Chubba Purdy. Yeah. Chubba Purdy. How often are we going to get that mixed up? Oh, I know. Well, I'm old. I'll mix it up all the time. Riverwind, get over today. Play with your wild card. Earn extra entries for the drawing Friday night for the eighty thousand dollar Rocket and Reeling promotional drawing, which will actually happen on Friday night. But you earn extra entries by playing with your wild card through tomorrow at midnight locked in is coming up with parker and josh helmer have a great monday we'll see you